What are you hungry for today? Are you hungry? Anybody in here hungry? Oh, I hear you, kids. Yeah, baby. See, I, I, I'm a kid at heart, you know. Anybody in here thirsty? Oh, I see hands going up everywhere. You know, we do have a coffee spot. We got water that you can grab before the service and stuff. But, you know, all of us experience hunger and thirst, don't we? I mean, I've been hungry before. In fact, uh, I'm, I get hungry every day. I don't know about you, but it just seems like I have this thing that I have to do every day, and that's eat, and I have to drink something. My kids are always getting on to me, and I think they've talked with Miss Kathleen, because every time she comes into the office, she will look at me, and she says, have you been drinking water today? That's the same thing my kids ask me, Dad, have you been drinking water today? And my normal response is this, yes, I had water today. It, it, it was flavored. And they'll look at me and they say, coffee doesn't count, Dad. Hunger and thirst. It's a common thing that we have as individuals. And there are a lot of different tastes and flavor with that, isn't there? How many of you would just love to go have some Mexican food right now? Ooh, I love me so much. How about Chinese? India, any India fan in, fans in here? How about just a good old hamburger? Anybody want to? How about some barbecue? Anybody want, want some hot wings? Man, come on. Y'all, just, y'all are getting excited about this sermon. I just want you to know I'm not providing any of that for any of you. <laughs> now I'm getting heckled by the people in the room. Wow. So I got you all excited about food, didn't I? Have you ever been excited to have something, to eat something? Have you ever been so hungry that you could almost taste it in your mouth? So thirsty that you thought you would die if you didn't get something? I want you to hold on to that concept because that plays into what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5. In Matthew chapter 5 verse 6, he says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they shall be filled. And as we've been doing this series, we have found that the word blessed in the Greek and in the original, to fully understand that term, you could use the word fully satisfied. Fully satisfied are those who hunger and thirst, for they shall be filled. But when we look at this, we cannot take it outside the context of the other verses. We know that the very first thing in Jesus' sermon was fully satisfied are the spiritually bankrupt. He goes on to say fully satisfied are those who mourn over their sin. Fully satisfied are those who completely surrender to God. We talked about that last week when it came to the meek. And then we come to today, something that seems a little different. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Now, there is a righteousness of this world, and there is a righteousness of culture, and a righteousness of society. There's a righteousness of your mom and dad that is imposed upon you. There's a righteousness that you oppose, uh, impose upon yourself. But I want you to understand that what Jesus is talking about, he defines. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. See, righteousness is that which seems right to whoever's defining the righteousness. See, there are a group of people that define righteousness today that makes absolutely no logical sense. They have no foundation, nothing to base it upon that is strong and solid. It's just their opinion. But yet for them, it seems right, so it's righteous. But I love that Jesus made sure, and I want us to look at this today in Matthew chapter 5, 
verse 20, is where he defines this righteousness. Fully satisfied are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Well, what does that look like? How do you explain that? How do you define that, Jesus? Well, in, in this day, the disciples and those who lived during this time looked at the religious people, the, the Pharisees, the scribes, the Sadducees, those who were the leaders within the temple, the church, if you will. When they saw this, they actually would say those people were righteous because they did the Ten Commandments. They sacrificed. They, they would fast. They would pray. They would check off a list. And everybody thought righteousness was measured by what they did. And then comes Jesus' teaching in verse 20 of this same chapter in the same Sermon on the Mount in which he, say, he says this, For I say to you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. He blows their minds. He turns their world upside down for a moment because what they had thought was righteousness all of a sudden gets turned on its head. And he says, unless your righteousness is greater than theirs, you'll never see the kingdom of heaven. That had to blow their minds. These disciples that had come up on this mountain to hear him teach, they had to step back and go, wow, wait just a minute. This, this is different. I'm sure one of them had to be thinking, how can my righteousness surpass that of those guys in the temple? I mean, they're better than I am. They live a more perfect life than I do. They can understand the scriptures, and I can't. I'm busy. I have things i got to do. I've got a family. I've got, I've got stuff going on. How can I surpass their righteousness? There had to be a struggle. But yet Jesus gave a promise before he defined righteousness when he said, Fully satisfied are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Not partial satisfaction, not a, not a fake satisfaction, not a facade of satisfaction, but a full, complete satisfaction can be yours. I have two containers in my hand. Anybody want to volunteer? Anybody that's an adult want to volunteer? <laughs> Come on, buddy. All right. I have two containers. What do you think is in these containers, buddy? Why don't you describe them for everybody? Well, it's, it's white granular material. It appears to be sugar or salt. Ah, it could be sugar or it could be salt. You really can't tell by just looking. Now, what's, what's the different characteristics of sugar and salt? When we have salt, what do we typically want? French fries. <laughs> we want french fries. Put that salt on, right? Right. Salt makes things taste better. It, yeah. it encourages us. It, it, it makes meat come alive. I mean, salt is a good thing to make things better. What about sugar? Oh, yeah. Sugar. What about Cereal, sugar? coffee, cake, cookies. Come on, preach All it. All the good stuff. Come on, brother, preach it. Come on, bring <laughs> we'll us some word. Some, hey, we'll put a little uh, sugar in the barbecue sauce. Yeah. Just a little bit. Right, right. Oh, yeah. 
Too much sugar, though, for some of you would mean your death because you have diabetes. Some of you, the salt would cause some heart problems, right? Now, how well do you know salt and sugar? Uh, pretty well. All right. So, which one do you think is salt and which one do you think is sugar? I, I, you can't tell by looking. Well, you've got to make a choice. All right. I'll say this one is the salt. All right. So, you would like to try this one, huh? Okay. Look, look at it. <laughs> I love Buddy. Buddy's not going to back away from a challenge. We have salt and we have sugar. Jesus actually said that you are the salt of the earth. Just a few verses down. He doesn't say that we're the sugar of the earth. He does not. No. He does not. He does not. You know, there's one unique thing about sugar. It's addictive. Sugar is sweet. How many of you have ever gone without sugar for a while? Buddy, you can have a seat. I'm not going to make you... Um, pick and choose and then taste it and be wrong so i love you too much how many of you have had had a time a period when you did not have sugar for a while and then you had something sweet what happened as soon as you had something sweet you wanted more didn't you you wanted more it was an addictive your body is craving for something it was a hunger it it, it welled up inside of you saying "Ooh, i want more of that Many years ago, I went on a, a Daniel plan, which was more of an eating style rather than a, a diet, and we cut out sugar. All of a sudden, things that we thought was not sweet became so sweet we couldn't even stand it. And I remember I went months without having any sugar. That in itself was a miracle, ladies and gentlemen. If you don't believe in miracles, that was a miracle. To go months without having anything sweet, that was a miracle. But I remember going into the kitchen, opening up the closet, reaching and getting a cookie and putting it in my mouth and taking one bite. It wasn't one of those moments where there was this, you know, angels in heaven singing and, you know, the fireworks went off or anything. But within seconds, I found my body craving more. Scientifically, they say sugar is as addictive, has the same type of chemical response as cocaine does. Sugar's addictive. Now, Pastor, where are you going with this? I didn't come for a diet class today. <laughs> Sin is addictive. Sin seems to be sweet. The righteousness from the flesh seems to be right, and it will crave more. It will desire more. It will, as soon as you begin to feed that part, it wants more. And you know what you'll never find? Full satisfaction. You never get enough. You never can get enough to satisfy that hunger and thirst when it comes to sin. When it comes to sugar in my life, I I can sit in the kitchen and I'll reach and grab a cookie or some chocolate or something and I'll eat it because my body just likes sugar. And Jesus comes walking in. He sits down. He begins to teach and he says, fully satisfied are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Now this righteousness was not sweet like sugar. 
It had an absolute truth tied to it that was determined by God the Father himself. It had a, a savory flavor to it that would make things better. It would bring a satisfaction that you were designed to have that you wouldn't have any other way. But yet the flesh wants to push against it wants something else so this is a battle when we come to this part in the beatitudes we find that there is a choice involved there is a choice for those who hunger and thirst when we hunger and thirst we all are going to hunger and thirst for something can i just put that out there we're all hungering and thirsting for something whether it's recognition whether it's 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 acceptance, whether it's security, whether it's money, power, prestige, pleasure, whatever it is, we're hungering and thirsting for something. But Jesus didn't just leave it as, blessed are those who hunger and thirst, but he said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And that righteousness is defined by God. And when you're fully satisfied in that, then you will be blessed. You will find yourselves filled up. But you know what the beauty of, of it is when you are hungering, hungering and thirsting for righteousness? You will get full, but then you'll want some more of it. To me, when I look at these scriptures, particularly in chapter 5, and I see that it walks us through this idea of salvation and sanctification, blessed are those who are spiritually bankrupt blessed are those who mourn over their sin blessed are those who surrender their life to god that can apply to pre-salvation post-salvation coming to christ and growing in christ and then we come to this one blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness i'm gonna make a statement some may agree some may disagree but i do not believe somebody's going to come to faith in christ unless they are hungering and thirsting for christ Unless there is something within them drawing them and causing them to want Christ, they can be spiritually bankrupt and know they have nothing to offer. They can be sorry for the life they have lived. They, they, they can come and just say, God, just take over. But unless they are hungering and thirsting for Christ, will they ever be filled? We have to understand that this righteousness comes from God and God alone. I want us to understand this, and you can write this down. The fully satisfied deeply desires God's righteousness and not their own righteousness. Not what they think is right, not what, what society thinks is right, or what they may dictate is okay or what is acceptable. Not what makes you even feel good. Can, can I tell you, righteousness isn't based on your emotions. Righteousness is not based on your opinion. Righteousness is based on God's word and what he has declared for us. And understand this. That as Jesus met a woman at the well one day. And they were drawing water. And he says to her, If you knew who you were talking to, you would ask of me to draw for you. For I will give you something to drink and you'll never thirst again. He was speaking of the righteousness that comes through Christ alone. 
There is a positional righteousness that comes in us accepting what Christ has done and understand the brokenness of His body, the shedding of His blood, brings us to a point of righteousness. And we must hunger and thirst for that, but yet we must also hunger and thirst to know and understand the righteousness that comes because of the brokenness of His body and the shedding of His blood. Hunger, do you understand, is a sign of need. Thirst is a sign of need. Somebody say need. There's a difference between need and want. There's a difference between convenience and inconvenience. And unfortunately, the world today feels that this Jesus thing is sometimes too inconvenient to in the way, becomes too much for my life. Jesus must be a need. And when we hunger and thirst at the level of knowing that Jesus is something we need, then we can find great glory in being fully satisfied no matter what's happening in our life or where we are. Our flesh will never hunger and thirst for God's righteousness. I'm going to say that again. Our flesh will never, in hung, will never hunger and thirst for God's righteousness, but our soul and our spirit will. It longs. It was designed. There is an emptiness. There is, there is something that needs to be there that can only be filled by God's righteousness. Us being made right in His eyes through Christ's work and us living out that righteousness. Jesus gives us a great promise when he says, fully satisfied are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Can I ask you a question? What are you hungering and thirsting for today? What are you hungry for? What are you thirsty for? I am very thankful for all of you who are at church today because you know what that tells me? There's some hunger and thirst in your life today. And that hunger and thirst is for God. Or you wouldn't even have showed up. You're here Hopefully because you wanted to encounter God, that you wanted to, to be near God. You wanted to be near His people. You wanted something to feed your soul from Him, which means that you have a level of hunger and thirst. So I applaud you for that. But so many people today do not have a hunger and thirst for God. We see that everywhere we look. You can't even watch kids' programs anymore without seeing the depravity of the world that they are trying to feed that which our flesh is hungry for rather than our spirit. Push us away, push our children away from the spiritual. And then they wonder why there's no respect for authority and there's violence in our streets. It's because God has been removed, the spiritual has been taken out. I'm here to tell you, until our nation and our people hunger and thirst for God himself, as if they were going to die if they didn't have him, we will never see peace back in our land. It doesn't matter how many protests, how many changes, how much happens in our society and in our culture, until we get to a place where we hunger and thirst for God like our lives depend on it, we will never see wholeness and peace again. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness know this know this you can write this down god delights in your hunger and thirst for his righteousness he does not delight in your perfection 
See, these disciples had this idea in verse 20 that it was those people who were doing all the right things that were righteous. But yet Jesus says, unless your righteousness supersedes theirs, in other words, your delight must be in hungering and thirsting after Him more than being perfect. So many people think they have to measure up. they got to be good enough, dress up enough. Well, Pastor, I hear this when people come by the office for food. Pastor, this, I don't have clothes good enough to come to church. You don't have to dress up. I have told some of them, come in stinking. That's okay. We'll love you anyway. But you know what? They don't come because they're afraid. They're afraid what I say may not be true and they may be rejected. Maybe they don't come because they're only hungry for physical food. But sometimes, this is free of charge. Sometimes God will, will take you to a place where you're hungering and thirsting for something so much that you find out that what you really need is Him. And it turns your hunger and thirst to Him. God delights in us hungering and thirsting after Him. So much more than our power, prestige, our money, our position. What we do at home, what we do at work, what kind of car we drive, the friends we have. How much we read the Bible, how much we don't read the Bible. Whether we go to church or we don't go to church, He delights in us hungering and thirsting for Him. That's God's delight when He sees that. For He knows that's when we can be fully satisfied. Psalm chapter 42, verse 1. I love this verse. This is such a good verse. Psalm 42, verse 1. The writer says, As the deer paints for the water of the brook, so my soul, so my soul paints for you, longs for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? When's the last time you were so hungry and thirsty for God that nothing else mattered except for getting to Him? We get so distracted by busyness in our world. We forget about the sacrifice of God and sending His Son Jesus for His broken body and His shed blood. We get so caught up in having to do and get things finished that we miss the beauty of what God has done for us and given to us. Isaiah chapter 55, verses 1 through 3. Isaiah 55, verses 1 through 3 says, Ho, oh, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen that you may live and I will make an everlasting covenant with you according to the faithful mercies shown to David. What the prophet is saying here. You spend your money on things that you are trying to find satisfaction in. You spend your time, your resources, your mind on things that you think will satisfy, but in the end, does not. How many of us sometimes just love to binge a show on TV? We live in a day now that we were watching a show the other night, and the season finale 
was like, she can't be dead. Oh, no. Now, in the old, in the old days, we'd had to wait for months to find out if she was really dead. But now and today, we just go to the next episode and we can see if she died or not. And she didn't, and we were all so happy that she did not die. We were like, how could they even continue to show without her? But we get so caught up in that stuff. And sometimes when we're feeling down or we're feeling out, instead of running to the things that's going to help us and fill us, we run to the things that will dumb us down and cause our minds to become numb to the real need that we have. It's just like sugar. When I realized that all the companies out there, the majority of them who put food in the grocery stores, is not out for my health benefit, but out for my money, it changed the way I looked at the food on the shelves. When I started picking it up and looking, I went, why do they have sugar in this? It's only because they know it's addictive and it will draw us in. And that's what sin will do. That's what distractions will do. That's what things in our life will do. It will draw us away from the thing that will actually fully satisfy us, which is God's Word, which is Jesus Christ, which is a longing for Him. So today we come. I want to read to you a heartfelt prayer from A.W. Tozer. A.W. Tozer was a great preacher. He was a man who's written great books. He is a great theologian. Oh God, I have tasted your goodness. And it has both satisfied me and made me thirsty for more. I am painfully conscious of my need of further grace. I am ashamed of my lack of desire. I'm going to read that again. I am ashamed of my lack of desire. Oh God, the triune God, I want to want you. I long to be filled with longing. I thirst to be more thirsty still. Show me your glory. I pray that I may know you indeed. Begin in Mercy, a new work of love within me. Say to my soul, rise up, my love, and come away. Then give me the grace to rise and follow you up from this misty lowland where I have wandered so long. In Jesus' name, amen. When's the last time we prayed lines like, I am ashamed of my lack of desire for you. I have been satisfied, but yet I am thirsty for more. Lord, do a work in me that I may desire you more than the things of this world. So today, Jesus, as he brings the sermon today, and as he says in Matthew chapter 5, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. We come to the Lord's table. I have a question for you, a question that you may want to write down for the next seven days and ask yourself every day because I think this is a... This will cause you to take a step back. What is killing my appetite for the things of God in my life? If you honestly ask that question of God, and if you ask that right now of Him... What is killing 
your appetite for the things of God. And then allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you what you will find is a difference that will begin to be made in your heart, in your mind, and in your life. For the things of God and His righteousness is so much greater than anything this world has to offer. All of us today come hungering and thirsting for God or we would not be here to celebrate the Lord's Supper. But yet there's also a part of us that we understand. There are things in the way. There are things that is affecting us. We are going to take a moment and get ready to receive these elements that God has put forth in our faith and in our walk of the Lord's Supper. What did you come here today expecting? What were you hungry and thirsty for? Were you looking for a solution to your problems? Were you looking for an answer to a question you've had? Or were you hungry and thirsting just to be with God Himself? Any of those questions could be asked. Any of those desires could be part of why you came. But let me tell you, the greatest thing is to hunger and thirst for Him.